0: things there. All right. Well, we're going to do communion at the very end of the service today. Some of y'all probably got the communion elements ready and uh and we're we're going to save that to the very end. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. Last week we looked at um God's fatherly discipline in the lives of his children. We looked at how God shapes his children through difficult circumstances to bring about the fruit of holiness and righteousness in our lives. Everything that we experience in the Christian life is filtered through the hands of our good and gracious and sovereign Heavenly Father. Amen? And so we looked at that last week, we looked at in Hebrews chapter 12, and so we're going to continue right back where we've been in Hebrews 12, and we're going to look at the pursuit of holiness. The author of Hebrews calls the people of God to pursue holiness. So go ahead and turn to Hebrews chapter 12, it's up here on the screen, starting in verse 12. Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather healed. Strive for peace with everyone and for holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one Fails to obtain the grace of God, and that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled, and that no one is sexually moral or unholy like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. For you know that afterward he desired to inherit the blessing, but he was rejected, for he found no chance to repent though he sought it diligently with tears. So here's the big idea. This is where we're going this morning from the text, namely that God calls his people to actively conform their lives to his character and will. And he has provided the resources necessary for this transformation, yet it must be intentionally pursued. Okay? The pursuit of holiness. Holiness isn't a very popular concept. It's it's fallen upon hard times, if you will, in our present unholy age. Um, it's often seen as stiff and rigid, and there's many misconceptions about what holiness is, Um and so I'm going to before we dig into this and talk about pursuing holiness, let's define what holiness is. Cuz the Bible actually talks a whole lot about this idea of holiness and many other words that are um uh, similar to holiness like purity, like righteousness, like godliness. These are words that are uh, synonymous and similar to uh, this, this idea of holiness um, in the New Testament the the word holiness uh, is uh, t- in there ten times uh, and it's the the Greek word is translated sanctification that's another um, synonym moral purity sanctity or holy um, and it, it's from a word uh, the, the word holy of course um, in Greek uh, it's which is some something that's set apart from From common condition and use, dedicated, hallowed, use of things, the sanctuary, and of persons like saints. Saints are holy people. That's what it means to be a saint. And it's interesting how the Apostle Paul calls the Corinthians, a people who had a lot of growing in holiness, he called them saints. Saints. Okay, and so um, so saints are people who've been made holy, members of the first community communities, pure, righteous, ceremonially and morally holy. Um, so the holiness is described by Jerry Bridges in his book The Pursuit of Holiness. He says this: He says holiness is not a series of do's and don'ts, but conformity to the character of God in obedience. To the will of God this is, this is important for us to note because a lot of times people perceive holiness to be more about what you don't do, what you don't wear, what you don't see, and, and while that is important, and that isn't an aspect of holiness, but holiness isn't just what about, uh, isn't just about what we're set apart from, but it's also what we 're set apart for and to whom we are set apart four uh, martin galley uh, says this the difference between jesus's holiness ethic and that of the pharisees is this the pharisees refuse to touch anything unclean jesus aims to make the unclean holy isn't that powerful so when when jesus came in contact with with a leper. Or somebody who was ceremony, ceremonially unclean. Okay. Well, they were uh, infected if you will with COVID-19. Uh, if, if, they were, uh, if they had some kind of unclean disease. Jesus wasn't defiled and affected by the uncleanness. Or the unholiness of sinners. He hung out with sinners. You see. He influenced the atmosphere and influenced those around him. And he made clean those who are holy. Andrew Murray says this. He says the chief mark of counterfeit holiness is its lack of humility. Every seeker after holiness needs to be on his guard. Lest unconsciously what, what was be, begun in the spirit be perfected in the flesh. And pride creep in where its presence is least expected. In his book, Humility, he talks about that. And so oftentimes those who emphasize holiness in certain groups um, tend to have a condescending demeanor and attitude towards others. And that's not the kind of holiness that our Lord Jesus walked in. Jesus walked in this purity and this righteousness, but he also walked in this holy humility The eternal God, the holy God, stepped down into this world and experienced the brokenness of this world. Yet, he didn't partake in the sin that would defile. Amen. So here's where we're going. So uh, holiness, first of all, we're going to go back to chapter 10 and look at this reality because this is foundational for the pursuit of holiness. Okay, holiness has been provided for us through the gospel. Okay, now we're looking at verse 14 where there's this call to pursue peace and holiness, right? But he's already, the author of Hebrews has already spent a lot of time unpacking the perfect holy sacrifice of Jesus Christ. The sacrifice that makes unclean, unholy sinners... Holy and righteous. This is good news for sinners. This is good news for the unclean. Verse 10, uh, Hebrews 10.10 says this. And by that will we have been sanctified or made holy. Okay, We've been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every high priest, and every priest stands daily at this service offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. Verse 14, this is this is a profound verse here. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. This is the power of the gospel. This is the power of the cross. And it's important for you and I, saints, those of you who desire to live holy lives, prior or preceding our pursuit of holiness... And giving effort to live a holy life, we need to recognize what God has done in Christ Jesus to make us holy. What He has done for us. The sacrifice that He has provided for you and I. He's done what we could not do ourselves by sending His Son Jesus and offer up this pure and blameless, spotless Lamb of God. This perfect sacrifice. That takes away the sin of the world. That makes you and I holy who believe and receive him and what he's done for us. Hebrews 9, uh, chapter uh, chapter 9, verse 14 says, How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve God? The living God, and so if we are going to have any success and effectiveness in this pursuit of holiness, we must recognize what God has done to make us holy, and recognize that He has already made us holy. Now, this may seem like a paradox. Now, I'm going to quote uh, A.W. Tozer. He has a quote that says, um, "To have found God." And still pursue him is the soul's paradox of love. Okay, let me and now let me let me modify that for our message: to have become holy, have, to have been made holy, yet pursue holiness is the paradox of sanctification. Right. Um, so, so, in, in one sense, God has already made us holy positionally before Him. Through his sacrifice, right? Um, Paul, when he uh, wrote to the the Colossians in Colossians 3, uh, on the basis of who God had made the Colossian Christians, Paul says, live with humility, with meekness, with kindness. Uh, Let's let's turn there. I just want you to see this. Um, Colossians 3, verse 12. He says this, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. If anyone has a complaint, if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive, right? And so we see here that Paul calls the saints holy, holy. God has made you holy because He's chosen you, because you're loved, because you're holy, you're a saint, a holy one. Live like it. God's made you holy, positionally, before Him, by the perfect sacrifice of Jesus Christ, by the blood of Jesus. Now pursue that in your practice, in your thinking, in your speaking, and in your decisions. God has provided holiness for us through the gospel of Jesus. Amen. Verse 12 here. Um, let's just look at verse 12 and 13. He says, therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather healed. He is drawing he's going back to the running the race analogy um and in running the race you get weary okay and the as we talked about two weeks ago the christian life is like a long distance race a long distance marathon right um and and we are to run with endurance looking to jesus and in the, the, this community of believers that the author of Hebrews was, was writing to, there seemed to be those who were getting weary, those who were being tempted to go back to their old way of life in Judaism okay, and, and, and submit to an inferior way of living. OK, and, and so the author here says, uh, sh- therefore, building on what he had said about God's disciplining us and bringing about don't and don't be weary of the, the father's discipline. He says, therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees. He seems to be alluding to Isaiah thirty five. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong and fear not. In verse 13, he seems to be alluding to Proverbs chapter 4. In Proverbs chapter 4, where he, um, verse 13 says, Make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint but rather healed. Uh, Proverbs 4 mentions um, uh, clearing the path for your feet there. For, Proverbs 4.27. Let me look that up real quick. should have pulled it up. Verse 424, put away your crook. – I'm sorry, verse 426, ponder the path of your feet and then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. Uh, make straight paths for your feet. Um, prepare the way for the Lord, right, as, as it says – Um, One theologian says this, in other words, Christians have a responsibility to care for one another and to encourage one another not to fall by the wayside. The practical implications of all this are revealed in the following section. Okay, And so strengthen those. Those, those weak hands, encourage your brothers and sisters. And we'll see in verse 15 where he says, beware lest anyone miss out on the grace of God. See to it that no one misses out. The next thing here about holiness is that holiness must be intentionally pursued. And so here's the main verse we're focusing on. Verse 14, strive with peace with everyone and for holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Strive for peace or make every effort to, to live peacefully with other people. In Romans chapter 12, uh, there's a parallel verse where it says, as much as possible, live peaceably with all people, right? And so we are to do everything we can to be peacemakers, not troublemakers, Right? We're to bring peace, to bring the gospel of peace and help people find reconciliation with one another and ultimately with God. But we are to do things and say things that contribute to the peace, especially within the community of believers. And coupled with this call to pursue peace or strive for peace, there's this call to pursue holiness. Now, holiness does not come into our lives by coasting spiritually okay it's it like like those who go to the gym and merely sit and watch and be inspired by all those other folks who are working real hard to to tone and strengthen their bodies and and get in shape and be healthy right you don't become fit Physically, by merely watching others, all right? Or watching TV, right? You come, become fit by actually exercising, by taking some action. And here in Hebrews 12, there's this call to pursue holiness, which goes along with this idea of perseverance. Perseverance. In the faith, which has been a theme throughout the book of Hebrews, that the, the, there's this call to persevere in the faith. Along with us, persevering in the faith is this idea that we be set apart from sin and set apart for God and his purposes. And, and specifically, that our lives be conformed into the his character and to his will for our lives. Amen. And so strive for peace with everyone and for holiness without which no one will see the Lord. D.A. Carson uh, has a powerful quote about this, and I've shared this with you guys before. But he says this, people do not drift towards holiness. Apart from grace driven effort, people do not gravitate towards holiness, prayer, obedience to scripture, faith and delight in the Lord. We drift towards compromise And call it tolerance. We drift toward disobedience. And call it freedom. We drift toward superstition. And call it faith. We cherish the indiscipline. Of lost self-control. And call it relaxation. We slouch towards prayerlessness. And delude ourselves into thinking. We have escaped legalism. We slide towards godlessness. And convince ourselves that we have been liberated. Ouch. There's some conviction there, I'm sure, for somebody, uh, including myself. Um, But the the idea is that holiness must be pursued intentionally. We don't drift into it. We don't spiritually coast into godly living. While Christ has made us holy... Positionally before him, we have a part to play in character development and being conformed into the image of Jesus. We must receive and respond to the grace of God that has been offered to us in Christ. God has provided the resources, right? And he's called us to participate To join in with what he's doing in our lives. Namely, shaping us into the image of Jesus. And when we don't cooperate enthusiastically, eagerly, willingly to conform into the image of his son, then God will use Difficult circumstances, as we looked at last week, he will discipline his children. Those who fail to discipline themselves are going to experience the discipline of their Heavenly Father. And even those who do practice discipline need God's peripheral guidance where he is shaping and disciplining and training his people, his children, to become more like Jesus and remember, as we talked about last week in verse 10 and 11, that God disciplines us so that it's for our good that we might share in his holiness, that we might share in his holiness for the moment, all discipline, verse 11, for the moment, all discipline seems painful, but rather, I'm sorry, for the, for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but It later yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So God is committed to working in our lives, to shaping us, to molding us, to helping us be all that he's designed us to be and created us to be in Christ Jesus. And the basis for this pursuit of holiness, one, is that God himself is holy. In 1 Peter uh, chapter 1 verse uh, 14 or 15 verse 15, he quotes Leviticus 11 uh which says that God says be holy for I am holy. Right? So that's the basis. God himself is holy and he's designed us to reflect his image, to be like him in his character, to, to be conformed into his character and to be live our lives conformed and surrendered to his will. And so he's committed to shaping us into holy, godly people who reflect his love, his grace, his mercy, his kindness, the, all the fruit of the Spirit. That's, that's what a holy life looks like. And in the New Testament, when Paul writes the churches, uh, the New Testament writers, they, they emphasize what God has done for us to, to, to bring about salvation, to bring about redemption, forgiveness, and make us holy. And then, and then there's an emphasis on the response of Christians, the responsibility of Christians to put off that old way of living and to put on the, 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 uh, the characteristics of Christ. Put off and put on. Ephesians, Colossians uses that language and that's what the pursuit of holiness looks like practically. Is we put off anger and malice and deceit. And we put on righteousness. We put on kindness. And we intentionally aim to walk in that. This verse tells us that, verse 14 tells us that without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Donald Guthrie says this, that the seeing of God could be understood in a spiritual sense of communicating with him. Okay, But there is a further sense in which a fuller prospect is in mind than is now possible. 1 John 3, 2, which points to the coming again of Christ. The future tense looks forward to an event as yet unfulfilled. No one will see the Lord without holiness. So here's here's a reason why we should pursue holiness. If we want to have unhindered communication and fellowship with God. You see, when we allow sin to creep into our lives, it distorts our view of God, our perception of God. Right? And so I think it's definitely true in that sense that without holiness, no one will see the Lord. I think we, we need to be made holy. We need our minds renewed so that we can see and perceive God Clearly, instead of having a distorted view of who he is and a distorted view of what he wants for our lives. Romans 12 tells us that, that, that we must have our minds renewed we must have our minds renewed. Then we will know God's good and acceptable and perfect will. We must present our bodies as a living sacrifice to God. And, 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 and we must not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind that you may prove what is his good and acceptable and perfect will. Amen. And so Jesus said this in Matthew 5, 8. He said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall See God. Okay. When we compromise. And we, we give in to sin. And we, we surrender to sinful practices. Sinful thoughts. And sinful words. And, and sinful uh, activities. It's like our windshield gets foggy. And dirty. And muddy. And we have a hard time seeing where we're at. And where we're going. And if we don't get that windshield clean we're going to crash, right? And so we need holiness and purity that comes through Jesus Christ. Through the gospel of Jesus Christ. But it it must be pursued by us intentionally. It's not it's not automatic. The the sanctification is not automatic. It's 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 a process, okay? It's a it's a process where we cooperate with the Holy Spirit, we respond to the grace of God, and we decide that we're going to follow Jesus with the power of His Spirit empowering us and the power of grace empowering us. Hebrews twelve fifteen says this. It says, See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many Become defiled. Now, this is important because one I point out, as I said earlier, is that holiness is preceded by grace. Right? Holiness is the byproduct of grace working in the life of an individual, and here there's this call. To see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. This is similar to some of the exhortations that Hebrews, the author of Hebrews has already given. Where he says, beware lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it's called today. Lest you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Uh, and then the result, when when, when a person misses out on the grace of God, there's a root of bitterness that tends to spring up and it causes trouble and it defiles many. Now, this is an allusion back to Deuteronomy 29:18, uh, where it says, Beware lest there be, be among you a man or a woman or a clan whose tribe whose, or tribe whose heart is is turning away today from the Lord our God and go and to go and serve the gods of those nations beware lest there be among you a root bearing poisonous and bitter fruit Deuteronomy 29:18 Then the author in verse 16 and 17 moves to the example of Esau Now Esau didn't make it into Hebrews chapter 11 into the examples of faith in the, the hall of faith in Hebrews 11. But he did make it into Hebrews chapter 12 as a negative example of somebody that we don't want to imitate, of, of uh, a path that we don't want to go down. His brother made it into, Jacob made it into the hall of faith, right? But verse 16, the author here says uh, that no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. Now, I'm sure many of you guys feel like you feel for Esau. Like, man, why, why is this guy, this guy got tricked by his brother and his mother, and he gave in to to the to the plan, and he, he sold his birthright, which which was a big deal. The inheritance and the blessing that comes to the firstborn was a big deal. In the ancient world, right? And he despised that. Verse 17 says, For you know that afterwards, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. Esau couldn't reverse the decision that he made. And he couldn't get the blessing back that he gave up. And Now, here's the, here's the negative example that we don't want to follow from Esau. Esau yielded to temporary fulfillment, temporary pleasure, in forfeiting uh, lasting blessing. Okay, and so the author here seems to be uh, pointing to the the, the reality that that um, many were being tempted to go back to Judaism and give up. The blessings that were in Christ Jesus, the grace that was in Christ Jesus and the author has already said there's no other sacrifice okay there's there's no other way Jesus is the way Jesus is the perfect sacrifice Jesus is the high priest Jesus is the substance to the shadows that the Old Testament pointed us to and so don't follow the way of Esau giving in uh, to appetite for you know it's those who live unholy lives are dictated by their appetites by their desires rather and and they they tend to forget and neglect the great blessings that are available to them the next thing i want to point out is that growing in holiness is a process Okay? So while we, we become holy, he has perfected all for, – um, for by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. So there's something that has been done already. We've been justified. We've been perfected in a sense. We've been made holy already, but yet we're being made holy. Okay, So theologians call this, uh, this these aspects of salvation justification and sanctification – and then glorification is what we will experience when Christ returns. And we get new bodies, right? And so um, he has perfected once for all those who are being sanctified. One of, one of, the, um, uh, one of the marks of those um, who have been perfected for all time, those who have been made holy... Is that they're in this process of being sanctified. And there's this ongoing progress in the lives of true Christians. God says in Philippians. Uh, Paul, Paul wrote to Philippians and he said. He who began a good work in you will complete it. Right? Philippians one six, Philippians 2.13. That God is working in you to will and to do his good pleasure. Right? And so God is... Helping bring about this sanctification in our lives. And we cooperate with him. We respond. We, we participate by intentionally pursuing holiness. But for anybody who's discouraged by their lack of holiness and their lack of Christlikeness. And their lack of loving the Lord your God with all your heart. That's probably one of the greatest heartaches in the Christian life is we often fail to love the Lord our God with all our heart. We fail to conform our lives to the will of, of God in, in many ways. And, and we're confronted with that. And we're grieved by that. And that's actually a good sign if we're grieved by that, if, if that matters a lot to us, that we, we look like Jesus, that we reflect Jesus. But let me remind you that growing in holiness and sanctification is a process, okay? It takes time, okay? Um, and it's one, one step at a time, one decision at a time. And, and the key in growing in that process, as the author of Hebrews has already pointed us to, is consider Jesus. Look to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Keep your eyes on him. He's the standard. Okay? He's the one. He's the example of holiness. The one who ran the race perfectly. The one who obeyed perfectly. And the good news is, is that we get his righteousness. We get clothed with his righteousness. And we're made holy by his sacrifice. But in response to what he's done... We must participate and we must run our race that he has marked out and set before us. We must be intentional about pursuing likeness, about conforming our lives to, to the character of Jesus and to the will of God. We must take time to be holy. There's an old hymn titled, Take Time to Be Holy, written by William D. Longstaff. I'm going to read it to you. Because growing in holiness is a process, and it takes time. It doesn't happen automatic in our insta culture, our fast food, drive-through, microwave, Amazon one-click buy culture. Get it now, culture. Stream it now, read it now, watch it now, buy it now, culture. We have a hard time with the idea of patience and process. And, and growing in holiness is a process and it takes time and it takes us slowing down and focusing on it, pursuing that holiness. And, and it's possible. Let me just say this. There's a misconception that many Christians have that it's just not possible that you can live in victory. And, and, and victory over, over sin reigning in your life and having dominion in your life. Or there's this misconception that, that you can't be holy, right? But the Bible wouldn't exhort us to pursue holiness if we couldn't actually experience more holiness in our lives, more Christ-likeness in our lives, right? God gives us the resources. And here's the deal. We don't pursue it in our own strength, Right? We don't pursue it merely in our own willpower, leaning on our own understanding. We pursue it by faith in Jesus, looking to Jesus, leaning on Jesus, okay? depending upon the power of the Holy Spirit, depending upon the grace of God to work in our weakness, the strength of God to work in our weakness. We do it by staying in God's Word. Jesus prayed for his church. One of the things that concerned Jesus before he went to the cross to die for us was the holiness of his people. In John 17, 17, he said, Father, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Okay, and so if we're going to become holy and, and grow in holiness and progress in this process then we got to be people of the word we got to allow jesus to wash us with the water of the word we gotta we gotta allow the influence of scripture to have a louder voice in our lives than the influence of culture and news media social media what does god say amen and so the old hymn says this it says take time to be holy speak oft with thy lord abide in him always Feed on his word. Make friends of God's children. Help those who are weak. Forgetting in nothing his blessing to seek. Take time to be holy. The world rushes on. Spend much time in secret with Jesus alone. By looking to Jesus, like him thou shalt be. Thy friends in thy conduct, his likeness shall see. Take time to be holy. Let him be thy guide. And run not before him whatever betide in joy or in sorrow still follow the Lord, and looking to Jesus, still trust in his word. Take time to be holy, be calm in thy soul, each thought and each motive beneath his control, thus led by his spirit to fountains of love, thou soon shall be fitted for service. Above, that's powerful. That'd be a good spoken word, Ivy. Kevin, can you sing that song at the end here? Let's get I'm not familiar with that old hymn. I've, I've seen it, um, but it's fitting for us as we look at this idea of the pursuit of holiness. And so, let me just um, close. Actually, before I close an application, let me read. Um, let me read something that I thought was interesting. Uh, little article called uh, The Danger of Hydraulic Fluid Holiness There was quite a mix-up at the Duke University Hospitals in Raleigh in Durham, North Carolina Sometime in November 2004 maintenance workers had drained hydraulic fluid from the hospital elevators into empty detergent drums and they didn't get rid of the drums Through a strange series of events the drums were mistakenly redistributed To the people who clean surgical instruments. It took two months and 3,800 surgeries before anyone figured out something was wrong. Washing the instruments in hydraulic fluid was not an effective means of sterilization. The biggest question is what kind of damage had been done to the patients. No one was sure what the petroleum residue might do to people. The hospital's head honcho assured the public, We want to give people the message that we care about patients, and no doubt they do. But if their instruments weren't safe, they were a threat to their patients, no matter how much they cared. A church careless about holiness is like that. We may care about our people, but we're a danger to them nonetheless. It isn't enough to share the gospel with the lost. We must be sure that we act in holy ways and teach holiness as a way of life, lest we harm the people of God. And so it is true that you don't sin in a vacuum, saints, that your sin does affect those around you. And so we pursue holiness to honor God, but also for the good of those around us. We. We, we want to be like Jesus. And when we have the fruit of the Spirit overflowing, uh, coming forth from our lives, it will be good to those around us. Amen? And so in closing, uh, here's just a couple application points. One is I want to encourage you to establish daily quiet time before God, reflecting on who He is and who He's called you to be. OK, spend time with him thinking about who he is. He is holy. OK, he's he's other. He's set apart. OK, he's he's glorious. And, and that is how that's that's key to us changing. Second Corinthians three tells us that we're transformed from glory to glory as we behold his glory. As we're, as we're looking to him okay it's not it's not going to help us if we just stand around and navel gaze at how unholy we are okay now we need to first first step is we need to acknowledge where we're not Christ like and where holiness hasn't permeated our thinking our speech and our actions right but then we 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 acknowledge that we bring that sin to the cross to the blood of Jesus where there's cleansing okay and then there's grace and there's mercy there when we get our eyes on jesus we focus on him that's the means of us changing and we do that per- primarily through meditating on scripture reflecting on scripture pursue inward holiness by talking to god about heart motives and desires okay there's a tendency to focus on external holiness And we we don't want to merely pursue external holiness, lest we become like the Pharisees. They were really good at external holiness. They looked super holy to everyone around them. But Jesus saw through their facade, okay? And he called his people to have a righteousness that exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, namely a righteousness and holiness holiness. That is internal, not merely external okay because God looks at our heart and so let's talk to him about the motives of our hearts about desires that don't align with his will when 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 our, when we have something in our heart towards a brother or a sister that's not right where there's a lack of love or um, for those who've been looking at things on the screen that you shouldn't be looking at or if you're drawn to, look at things on a screen and you're just you're really being drawn away towards that talk to god about that don't just wait until you commit the sin and confess it later you can do that but if we're going to experience victory over sin dominating our lives we have to address it at a heart level We've got to speak to God about the motives of our hearts and, and, and the things that we're feeling and the things that we're desiring and ask Him to change those things when we see impure motives arise among us. Don't merely focus on what you're set apart from. Focus rather on what you are set apart for and for whom you are set apart again get our eyes on Jesus and focus on what he's called us to, how he's called us to live. Uh, I love how Paul puts it in Galatians, keep in step with the spirit. He says, walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Get your eyes on, on, on the the path that God has for you. Amen. And so we're going to respond with communion. If you got your elements, Kevin, if you'd come up Um, to lead us in a song here. Intentionally uh, rearrange communion to the end here because in communion we're reminded of how we're made holy before God. We're reminded of the basis of our relationship with Christ. There should be elements there right by you for those of you who are here. Or five or six people that are here this morning. If you want to grab those. We have some sanctified elements that are well packaged. So these elements point to the body of Jesus broken for us. The holy sacrifice of Christ. Who gave his life for you and me. Who suffered and died that old rugged tree to make us holy to conform our lives to his character and to his will And so let us reflect on what he's done for us and let us respond to that amazing grace in pursuing the holiness that he died for us to attain Father thank you for sending Jesus for us to do what we can't do thank you that our position in you is secure give us your perspective renew our minds where we need to change the way we think where our thinking has been conformed to the world. Would you change, renew our minds to conform to to your word, your ways, your will. So we receive what you've done with gratitude. Thank you for the body of Jesus. We bring our sins, our failures, our struggles to the foot of the cross now. Amen. May you guys have a great Sunday. The Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. Lift up the light of his countenance on you and give you his peace.